Hooray! We are back in the football shed. My name's John Hewitt. Jeff King is here. Good day. And Roger Gibbs is here. Hello. And I usually start the intro by going, this is your weekly football podcast uh, for fans that live in the wrong time zone. But I forgot that bit, so I've got the order all messed up. So I'm discombobulated. But welcome to the football shed, everyone. The clocks have changed, John. That might be why. That might it's be thrown, why. Yeah. Yes. And it's very warm in here tonight. Um, Jeff, what are you drinking this evening? Today... Matthew, I will be... Um... Matthew? No, wait, is that Stars in Their stars Eyes? In their... <laughs> Who would you be Tonight, in? Matthew, I will be Edward Scissorhands. Who would... I, I don't know what's no, worse, even sing, you're quoting he? that, or we knew straight away what it was. <laughs> Who would you be on Stars in Their Eyes? Um, I would be uh, end career Michael Jackson. <laughs> That's a really... Wow. Well, Rog, who would you be? Well, going with that theme, I'd better say someone like Gary Glitter. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, go on, John. Pick a kid there, oh. there was always a Gary Glitter. Um, well, I'd be Moby because I look like him. Oh, does yeah, he yeah, really? He doesn't fiddle kids, does he, Moby? No, but he... <laughs> he got a vegan tattoo on his face, did, didn't he, recently? Did you? Did either of you ever call up and vote for anyone on... Uh, I think I might have done. It used to be you phoned up and you press a button, didn't you? Phone yeah. up and then you go, press number three. For Marty Pello. Old hairy man pretending yeah. to be Britney. Didn't Marty yes. Pello win every year? Quite possibly. Wet, wet, wet. Uh, sorry, tonight, Matthew, I'm drinking Sailor's Grave. It is, is it a good? beer that. Uh, yes, alright, it'll do. <laughs> Roger, what have you got? Uh, I've got a refreshing Beatnik XPA. Oh, nice. Mm. I have, um, I've gone for a different Audi wine tonight. Ooh, it's called uh, the One Road Shiraz. It's $2 more than the one I usually buy. And only bought it because my one is sold out because it's so good. How is it? It's all right. It's not as good. <laughs> <laughs> but um, every week we start with a question. But before we get started, a bit of admin. If you want to get in contact, ask us a question, tell us we're wrong about something, um, that we shouldn't keep mentioning kiddie fiddlers at the start of the show, um, you can find us on Facebook. Just search Football Shed or email us at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe, leave us a review, and of course, tell your mates so more people can hear us chat. Now, this week's question um, is about Spurs. Mm. <laughs> Jeff's favourite team. <laughs> um, Spurs lost 2-1 to Liverpool this week. Um, but when was the last time Spurs won an away game in the Premier League? Their away form is terrible, which is probably yes. the reason why this is the question you've chosen. Correct. I would say a year ago. So October last year? Yes. What year was it last year? 2018. Yeah. Oct 1-8. <laughs> I don't think it can be that bad, but it's obviously not this season. And I think they had a bad last 10 games. So when, maybe January. January the what? The 17th. Ooh, 20th of January oh. against Fulham, who were awful. And relegated. And relegated, basically, by <laughs> January. Down, yeah. But they've not wow. won an away game in the league since the 20th of January, and that was against Fulham. Right. Which, yeah, good thing this week, they're coming up against the mighty, unstickable Toffees. Oh, yeah, they play Everton away this week. Yeah. That's definitely going to be the end of that run. Well, I mean, <laughs> they are... They are matched in the form table, I would say. <laughs> They're playing equally as expansive, dynamic, attractive football. <laughs> Only two points apart. Everton are so bad and could be one point above Spurs after this game. I, what did you? Are we going to talk about Spurs and Liverpool or not? Yeah, sure, go for it. Um, I didn't think Spurs were that bad. No, no, I, I watched the whole game. It was and, a cracking game. Yeah, like it's like it's one of those ones where I think clearly Liverpool were the better team and created the 
more chances. The Spurs reserve keeper made a number of good saves, but equally, uh, Sun had that chance at um, one one nil nil, uh, when it hit the bar, and they had a couple of other good chances on the counter, and it could have been. I think they set up perfectly to play that Liverpool team. They decided we're not going to beat them at the press. We're not going to outrun them. We'll just defend deep and then counter-attack. I think Deli Alley's improved the last couple of weeks and that makes counter-attacking better because he connects quickly with Kane. Um, I do think Christian Eriksen doesn't give a shit anymore. Like He just seemed to go, oh, I can't be arsed with this. I think if they had a Lamella fit or someone else who would run around a bit more, they could have actually won it. I think Eriksen just didn't care. Um, but I think they played all right. Um, but Liverpool just too good. Yeah, th- this is one of the games I actually. I don't think Liverpool have been that good. I know they're top of the top, yeah. you know, top of the league by six points and, and and flying, but I don't think they've been playing very well. But I think this is one of those games where they actually did look dominant. Um, Spurs were better than they have been, but Liverpool always looked like the better side. And I don't think you can say that in the last three or four Liverpool games. They've looked like the winning side, but they're not necessarily looked like the better side. Yeah. Um, you know the. The woodwork, you know, they hit the son hit the woodwork. Yeah, it's not made of wood. No, it's made of metal. But it yeah. used to be wood. They were yeah, they used to be wood. They changed it to metal so it would go faster. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> not just because it's a stronger material. No, 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 no. They wanted the the goals to go faster, and they like the sound of the metal. Bing. Bing. No, wood sounds better. Donk. <laughs> but they 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 let that go for the speed. Do you know? I think faster it, goals. Um, you're right about Ericsson. And we talked. He just like, doesn't care. We talked about how important he's been to Spurs, and but Spurs don't have another Ericsson. And I unless Elso's not been fit. Unless Elso's not been fit, he did come off the bench. Yeah. But I think that typifies Spurs' problems that we've talked about. And I think you have to point the finger at Levy here in terms of not refreshing the squad. Now I read something before this game. I thought it was really interesting. Klopp's first game in charge of Liverpool, I think, was against Spurs. Okay. Um, whenever that was. Yeah, a long time ago now. Now, there are four players who were in the match day squad for Liverpool that day. They're still there. They're still at Liverpool, which so I think Nathaniel Klein. Um, Henderson. Henderson. We're not going to remember the other not two. Not going to remember, but anyway, four. So not very many, right? <laughs> yeah. And they're not necessarily first team players Origi. at Liverpool. Origi, yeah. Um, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, Spurs had eight players who would have started this game against Liverpool, who would have also started that game when Klopp wow. took charge of his first game for Liverpool. Yeah, that's so what so four yeah. is in a four, four season. Yeah, yeah. So I think that that typifies Spurs' problem. Because they just, if you don't, it's not just about having the strength in depth. It's also about, we've talked about with Spurs, refreshing the squad so that there's pressure on the players to play well. The issue you've got with Ericsson at the moment, it's a prime example. They need to play Ericsson because there's no one else that can really play the Ericsson role. You talked about Ali's a different player, but coming back, maybe that Mm. helps. But there isn't, haven't got that creativity. He clearly wants to go. So it's kind of like... Well, they've got to play him. But they've got, and, yeah, they've got and no Pochettino, option. And Pochettino, rightly, in the summer, was, you know, he was the big man, wasn't he? He was saying, you know, if they want to go, I'm not going to play them. They've got no space yeah. in, my, in my side. I'm paraphrasing, obviously. Yeah. But, um, yeah, at this point of the season, they're already playing those players. And their problems, look at their problems at wing-back. There's zero competition at left-back and right-back in Spurs' yeah. side. And Aurier... Liability. Is, oh. is an absolute clown. <laughs> and yet he is... 
he's the most you know first man on the team sheet not because he's that good but because there's literally no other men who play in his position and, and they and they got yeah. no cover yeah. so and again i don't think they got a plan b so i don't think they can play three at the back with wing backs i don't think it works like that yeah no i think they're really struggling um someone who was very good in this game that i haven't watched for a little time was trent alexander arnold yeah. The amount of passes that he sprays from the right-hand side to Robertson on the left side is ridiculous. He's going to be a midfielder. I told and he you. swings them both wise, swings it left, swings it right, and just pings them from wherever. And every pass just lands right on his foot. It's amazing. Mm. I think he is one of like the best playmaking right-backs that I've seen. And this is oh, very yeah. early in his career. He's a bit like Cafu. Maybe he'll make a position out of it. Yeah, like yeah. it's like well, Cafu was more about just driving runs down the right, and the fact that he was that he could just go up and down all day, and it was amazing. And he'd he'd just go one two, one two, one two, and yeah. just get to the byline, and he'd just keep doing that. Whereas you're right, Alexander Arnold's all about his um, you know range of passing. Um, yeah, it's, it's crazy. I read something saying it's almost an insult to call some of his crosses crosses because they're actually like they're so good that it's a pass. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's interesting. Um. And what's what's exciting for Liverpool fans is usually on the end of them is Robertson. Yeah. So, yeah. so you, you know, you're looking yeah. at your wing back, you're like, we don't need anyone else. We've got a front three, got to mark them. I'll tell you what we'll yeah. do next. We'll bring Just the other two up. Ping the wing backs. And they're on a 45-game unbeaten home run. That's wow. crazy. 45 games. Do you know who's got the record for unbeaten home run? Chelsea? Yes. Mourinho? 83 games under Mourinho. Wow. 83 games. That is insane, That's isn't it? That's ridiculous. Whatever you think of the man, like that is quite impressive. Yeah. Do you know the other player who I thought ran the show in this game for Liverpool was Fabinho? Yeah, he was very, very and good. And your shout about maybe having Keita as best player in the league this year this was going to be his breakout <laughs> yeah. year I think you might have picked the wrong Liverpool player because yeah. second half of last year Fabinho started to settle in and was yeah. great and he has started this year so well like, I, I I, didn't realise like how good he was on the ball yeah, and, he's and incredible. Like his passing, like it's yeah. not just breaking up the play. Like he's he's a really good. Footballer. And he's massive, and he wins the ball, he wins every header, and then he never gives the ball away. He just gives it to the right players. Um, let's move on to some other games. Now we're going to frame the games this week um, on what I'm calling Jeff's fun barometer. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds sexy. <laughs> not sure it does. Um, but uh, we've had we have a few chats on WhatsApp during the week. Um, and Jeff's mentioned this before in the shed around how fun it is to be fans of certain clubs. And sometimes it's more enjoyable for maybe you're not winning the league as such, but you're having a good time as a fan. So we're going to frame all the games around which set of fans are actually having a good time or a shit time. Is there anything you want to add to that, Jeff? Is that- yeah, it's the relativity of fandom. Yeah. That's, that's the official scientific phrase, <laughs> the relativity of fandom. Like, it, you know, you look at the league right now and you say, I tell you a bunch of fans are miserable, Arsenal fans. Mm. And fair enough, because yeah. like, well, it's horrible. I'm sure we'll get onto it. Yeah. However, they're sitting fifth in the league. If you weren't Arsenal, if you were Newcastle or Norwich, it doesn't matter how horrible you're playing, you'd be over the moon. So the, the relativity of the club you support versus the performance level versus your success really does affect your life. Yeah. And I'm having this existential crisis, really. As an Everton fan. As an Everton fan. <laughs> because... The expectations that we have for our club have been you know, raised every year. This is the year, this is the year, this is the year. So the disappointment is that much more palpable because of the expectation level. And I think, the, you know, the year after Everton finished fourth, mm. Everton finished 17th. Yeah, and now, got knocked out in the qualifiers of the Champions League. Still, I had a great year. 
Yeah. Still enjoying the fact that massive overachievement the previous year. You know, I wasn't going Moyes out. It was like, because the relativity of fandom meant that, you know, we're just riding off the wave of this, of this enjoyment that we had because it was such a such an amazing achievement and and such a kind of overachievement for yeah. the type for the type of club. So so I look at certain fans, I just think, um, you know, if you are Wolves, you're gonna be over the moon. You're not gonna be pissed off about performances, yeah. you're gonna be over the moon and you're sitting tenth. But then I I look at clubs like yeah, just whinging, whinging Arsenal and and and, and yeah. Uh, anyway, so basically, we're going to frame it around fans that are having a bad time and fans that are having a good time. Okay, let's start with the bad time because then we can end on a good. Southampton fans would have had the worst time on Friday night. It's a Friday night game. It was the worst weather oh, I've seen it really game. Was. It was just like Shocker. sideways rain, oh, yeah. cold, wintry English night on the south coast. And they conceded a goal. Uh, they ended up losing 9-0 to Leicester, which is a record ever. In all history of the top league, it's the biggest away win ever. 130-odd wow. years. Wow. Um, but they went 2 or 3-0 down in the first 15 minutes and had Bertrand sent off. Fans started leaving after 15 minutes. You're just like, that's a terrible time. I think, well, I think it was the first goal. I think Bertrand was sent. It was Leicester got the opening goal and Bertrand got sent off. And that was in the first like, seven or eight yeah, minutes. It was like, it could not have been a worse start. So I think, as ever having a crap time, I think the Southampton fans had the worst time ever this week. Home game, Friday night, it's cold, it's wet, and we lost 9 0. I saw their so, players donated their wages, and yeah. so they should. Yeah. After that, they donated a day's wages to charity. Oh, is that all it was? A day? day's wages oh, yeah, to that's charity. Pretty poor. And yeah, it's not like come on, at least a week, lads. Yeah. Come on. Or just give a refund to everyone who paid for a ticket. Yeah. Because they only got twenty minutes worth of football before they started to bugger off, and it was pissing it down with rain anyway. And um, but I because we talked about the rabbit hutch, um, house and hootle on um the shed a lot. We thought we'd be all right this year. And yeah, at the start of the season, we were very much saying that I think Southampton going to be fine. And what he implemented at Southampton last year looked really good. So I was convinced that he was going to be good this year. Has he lost it or the players given up on him? Or what is there a reason for it going wrong? Who was that manager, the German bloke who went to Fulham? Oh, um, Felix McGaff. Felix McGaff. The guy who suggested you put cheese on your knee to fix it. That's it, yeah. Yep. So if you take the weird out of Felix McGaff, I yep. think you have the rabbit hutch. Okay. Like, take, take the witchcraft away. <laughs> and, what, and what we're left with is Hassan Hootle. Um, I, I, like, he's, a, he's a taskmaster. And you, you, if you're that type of manager, you need to have time to build a certain type of squad that responds to that type of manager. So if you walk into a club, you're going to have an instant reaction because, like he did, because you're going to whip a bunch of you know people who are who don't like being managed like that into shape because they're going to be very fearful of it. But that won't resonate with them. They'll, they'll look at grass everywhere else and think it's greener because they're getting a bollocking at work. Yeah. So I think that the longer he has, the more his players or the you know the replenished players at Southampton will, will respond to his type of management. It's just whether he's going to get that amount of time in the Premier League, especially if he keeps losing 9-0. Well, so they didn't invest in their squad at all, really, in the summer. No, they bought Shea Adams from Birmingham, the striker, who's not done anything yet. And Southampton come out this week and said, we won't fire him. We're sticking behind him and we'll stick with it, which I think is good. Um, but yeah, I do think there's a time frame on it. And he came in after Mark Hughes, who doesn't coach. Well, that's it. And those players are used to Mark Hughes. And he basically, Mark Hughes, 
takes free kicks or training himself yeah. to so that other players can go, oh, he's still good, isn't he, Mark Hughes? That's all he wants in the world is to still be good at football. <laughs> and then he has a whinge about then, something. Yeah. Yeah, exactly right. And then he calls people by their first name and you know, he's mm. just that kind of guy. So, so it's a huge culture shock, which is no, as I say, it's no surprise that the first few weeks there was an instant bounce because these players are suddenly trying again. Yeah. But then they're going, hmm, I kind of preferred it when I was just chatting to old Sparky Mark about bloody free kicks all day. I still, I think Hassan Hootel is a good coach and he did very well. Very good coach. Uh, Le- Leipzig. Leipzig, Leipzig yeah. it was at Leipzig in Germany. Um, so I think if he's given time, I think it can come good. But I do think that in the summer they didn't get enough of the players that would fit with what he wanted. I think wanted. they need to spend a bit of money, yeah. And yeah. I think, I think that, I mean, it's unfortunate because I thought Shea Adams might do all right. But yeah. without him firing, they really don't have many options up front. Like no. This game, Danny Ng started up top with Nathan Redmond. I think Redmond's better out wide than a striker and I still don't think he's that great. Yeah. But I think it's pretty damning that their best player so far this year, by the way, for me, has been the keeper. Yeah. And he conceded nine. Uh, and he conceded nine. So well, he's still just... got man of the match, didn't he? Did you see, I'm um, talking of conceding nine, did you see what, um, I want to say Craig Forster, who was the goalie for Ipswich when they lost 9-0 to Man United, he tweeted um, Angus Gunn, the Southampton goalie, after it happened. And he's like, oh, mate, I know how it feels. This is awful. But you've got something to dine out on for the next 30 years because that's what I've been doing. <laughs> it's like everyone will just ask you for the rest of your life, what's it like to concede God, I, rem- I remember watching that game. Yeah. Well, as a goalie, then you might as well go, ah, oh, I just let one more in. Make it 10. Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll just become a pundit. I'll let one more in and become a pundit. <laughs> just built a career. Yeah. Um, let's move on to some more miserable fans. Let's go on to Arsenal. Yeah. Um, now, Arsenal, I guess we start with the fact that they drew to all with Crystal Palace. Um, in a chaotic, crazy game. 2-0 up. 2-0 up. Um, and could have won it at the end. And there was a goal disallowed because of VAR, um, which I'm sure we'll mention VAR later. But basically, the captain, Xhaka, gets subbed off after an hour. And the whole crowd cheer. And they get really excited that he's going off. And he puts his hand to his ear and is just a bit like, what evs? And uh, gets, takes his shirt off and goes straight down the tunnel. Tells him to fuck off. Yeah, basically. Mm. No, he actually says, fuck off. Yeah. Um, and, but they were abusing his wife in the crowd as well. Mm. Like, there's... And I, I've got to say, I think that Arsenal fans went too far there. It's a captain of your team and you're fifth in the league, as you said earlier, at the top of the Europa League table. They've got some good young players coming through. What do you want? Like, Crystal Palace is sixth. Yes, you've, they're not the greatest team in the world to watch, but they drew to all. Uh, Chris, Arsenal fans are miserable. I don't really quite get it. They're not playing very good football. I think, But I do... I think that it's unfortunate because Jack is not... I don't think Jack is very good. Yeah. Uh, I don't think he's been very good since they bought him. And they were hoping he was going to be the player that they were missing but never be able to sign, which is essentially a Vieira replacement yeah. or a Petit replacement or even a Flamini replacement they'd probably take at the moment. Probably take um, Flamini. Probably take <laughs> Flamini. I just, he's, I just don't think he's, he's good enough. <clears throat> but I think one thing that he does do every week, which I don't think you could say about every Arsenal player, is try. I yeah. think he genuinely tries. And so I... 
I feel a little bit sorry for him. Yeah. Um, in and I think the fans' angers, I can understand it because they're not happy about the way their team's playing, and <clears throat> often that's directed at the captain. And they also, I get the impression they don't think he's good enough to play for Arsenal. But I also, you know, I don't think it's the right way to go about it in terms of he's your captain and he's trying really hard every week. So I don't think necessarily he's the person you should be targeting with your wrath. I can yeah. see why they're not happy, but I, I didn't like it. I got a We got a message on Facebook from an Arsenal fan um, and Newell says, just have to say this to someone who cares about football. Really embarrassed to be an Arsenal fan this morning. We are fifth, first in our group in the Europa League. Arsenal are where I thought they would be. Why all this Unai Emery out stuff? Yeah, it's, it's, it's perspective, isn't it? Yeah. The older I get, the less... I can condone, and not like I'm an authority figure, but the, the less I can condone booing your own players. Now, I remember being being young. I, I remember getting Kevin Campbell's autograph. Going to see Everton, getting Kevin... You remember Kevin Campbell? Yeah, yeah. I remember, remember getting Kevin Campbell's autograph before the game and then eating it during the game while standing up and just spitting anger at Kevin Campbell being the worst player I've ever seen in my life, whilst, he, whilst chewing his autograph up and spit out on the floor. I, I, I remember... <laughs> Having that level of emotion going to going to the football, but the older I get, the more I guess I realise the human side of these players. Yeah. And if you want them to do better, you don't just call them a dickhead. No yeah. one performs better when they're under that kind of scrutiny or that kind yeah. of pressure. And let alone like his missus is pregnant. I know. Yeah. Like, let's put the human side. His missus is pregnant. Yeah. She's getting abused. She's gone to gone to the ground to see her husband play football. Yeah. This is no wonder he's annoyed. Yeah. She that's that's absolutely crossed the line. And if I was an Arsenal fan, I'd, I'd look at my squad and I'd go, yeah, maybe they could perform better. Maybe this is the type of year where you go, okay, everyone's rubbish. Why aren't we making the most of it? Or you go, this type of year, everyone's rubbish. So we can afford to be a bit rubbish and build. But what are they expecting? Like, yeah. I agree with what you're saying and I agree with what Neil's saying. Like, they weren't going to be up there with Liverpool and Man City this no, year. So they no can't chance. be expecting that. So then there's already top two. Yeah. So next best is third. Yeah. Which they're one place behind in fourth. Yes, it's Chelsea and they don't want to be behind Chelsea. Yeah. But without playing very well and trying to integrate a few new players, like they did, you know, we got they've got Pepe who's a big new signing, yeah. Tierney's just coming back to fitness. Like there's a few new players and to bring. We said last week they've missed holding Bellerin and Tierney, so they're three defenders that mm. would start in their team. So they're in my opinion, they're doing quite well. And I know I've supported Unai Emery on this podcast a lot recently but I do think he's integrating new young players that are coming through that care about the club if I think he's got in Gwendouzi a very good player although side point Gwendouzi's tackle on Zaha at the classic. end is one of the best things classic. I've ever seen it's just pure rugby tackle um and I think they're doing all right and it's a long season I just don't understand why the Arsenal fans are turning around on your own team when Basically, you've lost to a couple of VAR decisions that could have gone another way if it was last week, but because VAR just changed this week. Yeah. It seems odd. I don't get it. They're definitely not, everything's not right, though. Like, even like there's been a few, they're winning the Europa League. Essentially, you know, Pepe got those two free kicks, but they didn't play great. Like, there's not, I feel like there's a bit of disharmony there. There's everything that's going on with Ozil. Like, I don't. I haven't seen much progression under yeah. Emre yet, and I think maybe that's the frustration: is that he's now had a bit of time, and we haven't really seen Arsenal forge a strong new identity post Wenger. No, but this is this is yeah. something that that drives me crazy. Like, show me a 
you all, you both know quite a lot about global football. Show me an example of a dynasty transferring to a to, oh, it's to not the easy. next dynasty no, I agree. With, yeah. without there being a period of transition that yeah. that not only is slower than you expect, but frustrates the people who are expecting the dynasty. Yeah. And when you live in Arsenal, you can say what you like about Arsenal Wenger's last five years, but the way they played football was ingrained into that club. Yeah, there is an mm. Arsenal way, and some players were soft. Some, you know, yeah. so you would like a bit more managerial flexibility during that period. But their dynasty was was legendary, and the reason why they can still attract players like Aubameyang and is because of what Arsenal represents. It represents this yeah. type of football that you would be proud to be part of as a player. So You're right as well, but the dynasty was essentially finishing fourth every year, but which it, they're actually very close to, whereas when we've looked at other dynasties, like United, and we talked about Liverpool before, and Liverpool's fall off from the 80s into the 90s, yeah. actually... Arsenal were quite close to where they were for a lot of that time under Wenger. Look, so maybe look what happened with Man United. More credit. You know, yeah, Man United, go, yeah. you know, your stone sank deeper than Arsenal's before it's come back up and now it's sunk, sinking again. Actually, Emery's done a pretty consistent job at transitioning from dynasty to new era even though we don't really know what the new era looks yeah, like he, he's yeah. kept everyone afloat during it I just don't think people are patient these days and I think I think that I, I'm not talking for myself here but I, I suspect that's what the Arsenal fans opinion are but I, I agree with you Jeff I, I think there's a lot of sense in what you're saying and I think to with what you were saying John I think one of the most important fans that Arsenal uh, one of the most important points Arsenal fans shouldn't lose sight on is some of these young players coming through mm. who genuinely look like they could be players. Really and I good, think, yeah. you know, if you give it a couple of years with them coming through, yeah. um, you know, Arsenal don't have an old squad. No. It's not like it's suddenly going to need another massive overhaul. No. Um, I think that, you know, there's the makings there of a good team. Um, I'm going to bring up the VAR in this game. We don't want to talk about VAR too much this week. But did you know who the VAR, co- uh, actual VAR in the room wherever they are was this week no go on so this was uh, brought up by Chris on Facebook do I want to know this it was Jared Gillett for all the games no yes or just this one just for this one Jared Gillett your Australian mate no yes so he was the VAR he was the one who made the decision um, about Socrates winner being disallowed now do we one of the we'll get on to VAR (laughs) but does anyone actually know what it was disallowed for? Like, there's talk, there's talk about it being Chambers, but it's, it's Callum Chambers is foul on uh, someone in the box. So, so for those, just to put this in context, for those who don't know, I've been listening to the shed for the last few years. There, there was a the the single worst referee that's ever refed in Australia, in my opinion. Um, <laughs> decided to to pack up his um, his cards and bugger off over to England, and is now one of their VAR refs, which yep, is exactly, yeah, which is great. Did he happen now, to be I've on any a, other games this weekend? But Not got, that I know. Of. Got in a bit of a um, social media argument with with a with a listener who actually surprisingly used to be his next door neighbour. Do you remember this? Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I found myself on the back foot, but then I luckily could find a whole treasure trove of. Support Supporting material of why this man <laughs> was a complete banana skin, and um, yeah. and, and because of that, like I'm so glad it was him. Yes, but so he's back. Um, I felt bad though because I enjoyed it because it was Arsenal, and I know that's so yeah. bad. But when it happened, I was like. I, I I may have even laughed a little bit, and I, 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 but I did feel guilty. Yeah, I good. definitely felt guilty. And Pat, one last thing on this, we should probably give Palace some credit because I thought they yeah. did really well to come back. I thought their second goal um, w- was really good. It was a brilliant cross. 
um, you know, dug out to the yeah. post. And, and I just are you scored? I scored again. Yeah, I, just, I mean, I <laughs> yeah, they keep doing it at the moment. Like they're, they're sick. They're sick. Like they're I'll, sick on merit. There's a bunch of fans who should be over the moon. Well, I was going to ask you that. So Crystal Palace fans, sick. And I've, we've mentioned this before. Their all football is awful, though. So should they be enjoying it, or should they... Chelsea enjoyed winning the league, didn't they? Yeah, true. I think they will. Yeah, you don't. You know, they're they're in sixth, yeah, yeah. and you know, last year they were playing a similar football when they were battling relegation. Quick question on the VAR decisions: Zaha diving and then getting overturned. Good decision or bad decision? Correct. He didn't dive. Yeah, I thought that was good. Yeah, but it, it shows that there is a predisposition. To to Certain punish players. Zaha for diving. Yeah, I thought it was, I thought because, that was a fascinating I, little because we were talking window. about last week yeah. about that we haven't seen any dives in the Premier League because you can't get away with it anymore and you know and then suddenly someone gets carded for diving. You're like, actually, actually he didn't dive. That which was a good that, VAR thing. Yeah, like, but, because because it, it, you're right. It's like your reputation preceded him, but and it you know before we had VAR that would have just happened everyone would have gone oh it's Zaha typical you know, yeah accentuated the contact um, so if know, I was him I'd be, I'd yellow, be... but it was clearly clearly a foul yeah, yeah I'd be writing a letter going now can you please review the last five years worth of <laughs> decisions against me because you're all a bunch of cunts because you, you're treating me different to everybody else it's yeah. the first diving decision in yeah. the Premier League like how dare you and Socrates' goal should never have been disallowed in my opinion mm. yeah um, let's move on to fans that are having fun now the Brighton fans definitely had fun this weekend yeah they did at the expense of Everton fans Jeff Brighton won 3-2 with a last minute own goal (sighs) it was so enjoyable to watch from my end it was the greatest ever Um, how did it go for you Jeff well uh, it's really hard because um, what did I say a few weeks ago I said Marcus Silva needs six points from these three games yep Got three no in the first one. Got three. Next game's against Spurs. We've already discussed Spurs as a way record. Everton were pretty good at home. And they you were won good in the cup this morning. Yeah, I, I, I watched um, some of that game live, and the, well, at least I watched. I was lucky enough, to, fortunate enough to watch the second half and not the first half. The first yeah, nice. half was diabolical. The second yeah. half was a very good Everton performance. Great Everton home win against um, Southampton, yeah. uh, West Ham. Sorry, the, yeah. the week prior. And actually, to go one goal down and then go back up. To 2-1 was really heartening with 15 minutes to go and then obviously a VAR decision which is which divides opinion um, does it? I'd say it divides opinion I don't think it divides opinion I think what? it was awful I think it was abs- I think it was an absolutely abysmal decision as in you don't think it should be a foul? I don't think it should be a foul in the first place yeah. and 100% in like the history of football ever VAR is relatively short time yeah, yeah. period, I know, yeah. but that is not enough to overturn a decision that yeah. was not given. I agree. The, I... Accident, the King knew nothing about it. He just the one thing you could accuse him of is being a little bit clumsy, but he essentially accidentally stood, stood on a guy's yeah. foot. That does that's not a foul. Yeah, that's like an accidental coming um, together. Yeah, and and wasn't looking at it anyway. Like so, to to lose that game three two from an own goal and that kind of decision, it's it's incredibly disheartening. However. It's still a capitulation. It really is. And there's a... Um, I don't know. How it, did the well, mid- midfield play in this game? Because like, we talked about... Was it Davis and... Go- um, I, I didn't watch this one. But was it Davis and um, Gomez again? Gomez, yes. And um, what, You go, Jeff. No, no, you, go on. No, I was, I was going to talk about Brighton fans. Yeah, I think the last thing I'll say from an Everton perspective is just like with that Man City performance where there were plaudits... You know about the yeah. footballs that are still lost. I'd say that you know there are there are an own goal and a decision like that feel like 
they don't represent the game. But it doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. You you win or you lose. Football's binary. Well, it's not because there's a there's a grey yeah. which is drawing. Yeah. But it is what it is. And these are the stories that will go round and come round again. It just so happens that on this week VAR just had a light touch and, and point. And Brighton are a great example of that because we talked about them last last week. I thought Brighton were incredibly unlucky in that they were completely bossing the game against um, Villa, and then Moy just had a massive brain fade and, yeah. and then they go on to lose so you kind of you know it's one of the things we love about football but I just I just I didn't begrudge I didn't agree with the way it happened but yeah. I didn't begrudge it happening to Brighton because yeah. I think that they've been playing really good football the last few weeks and they, they deserve a couple of things to go their way yeah and as if I was a Brighton fan I'd be really excited they're 14th on 12 points which is three points off May night in seventh so there's a lot of space. They've got a good couple of games coming up. They play Norwich next week. And they are beginning to play good football. And it's enjoyable to watch. And going back to that Crystal Palace, like, is it fun to be a Palace fan? It'd be much more enjoyable being a Brighton fan because it's good to watch. And they're trying something new and doing something a bit different. And there's young players coming through. Young like, manager. Yeah. It's exciting. Yeah, so, it's exactly right. There is part of me that... um and and I, I can't believe I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this on record because it just goes against every grain of of logic. But there is part of me that thinks Marco Silva might have run his course. Yeah, really? And and that is because he is such an arm round the shoulder manager. Like I, I heard an interview with him today after the League Cup game where he, where he almost discounted the loss last week saying, you know, it was what it was because it was unfair. We didn't deserve it. So we should be talking about having we've had three wins in a row. Actually, Marco, no, you lost, and you need to react, and you need to change. And I'm not sure that, like the the common consensus is is actually in this case correct. Everton are better than their team represents. Yeah, players and they spent a lot of money. But if we ignore the money, the players themselves are better than the team. Uh, can I read the, um, some text commentary on the Everton game this morning in the sure. League Cup? Uh, this was at half time. 45 minutes of your life that you won't get back. Moassi Ken can go and wait for a cheeseburger in the supper bar on Goodison Road, given how pointless it's been for him on the wing. And I've seen more <laughs> life in the cemetery than the rest of them. Woeful. <laughs> now, you did win today, but if I, at half time, that fan is not having a good time. Yeah. <laughs> that's the thing, those players are better than that. So, so when the players are better than that and they're not performing as a team, who, where does the buck stop? Yeah. Um, can you blame Everton's loss to Brighton on their ugly kit? Oh. It is a really ugly kit. And it came up on Facebook. A couple of people have asked about Everton's kit because it is awful. Um, and But it's not as bad, as my, in my opinion, as the Man City away kit. Have you seen that? That looks like an ice like ice lolly. Yeah. It's yeah. just kind of yellow, pink, and then yellow again. It's the worst. Hmm. Worst kit of all time. You know? I'm just trying no, to think I, if I can think of a worst kit. Do you kit. know, the worst kit of all time is the main night grey kit. Yeah, the invisible kit. And do you know, the thing that really hurt me about that is... For Christmas, I got the kit. <laughs> they never wore it again, <laughs> and, did they? And like, I'd, oh, every year, I'd be like, oh, can I get the new Man United kit for Christmas? And I get the new Man United kit. And I really wanted the whole kit so you get the shorts and the socks as well. No. And I bugged mum and dad for years. I was like, come on, I want the whole kit. I got the whole kit. I got the shirt, shorts and socks. And I was just like, yeah, I look brilliant. Next week they play. <laughs> Three nil down on it half time. And they never wear the kit again. It gets thrown out. I'm just like, no. Uh, so that's um, got to be the worst kit of all time. So here's a question, right? So we talk about um, money all the time. 
like in football, in football, in football yeah. not just general. <laughs> <laughs> I don't talk about money. Business. Yeah. business, 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 spreadsheets, spreadsheets. Um, what would happen, or how would you feel if you just didn't know how much players were bought for? So if you had, if you removed the numbers, yes, yeah, so I'll give you an example, right? So Joel Linton, yes, we. At the beginning of the season, I'm looking at Roger now. We had him down as the worst player ever to start in the Premier <laughs> yeah, League. Flop like, of the year. Flop of the year, biggest waste of money. Having not really sat down and watched, you know, a thousand minutes of him playing football. Now, we did that because we watched some highlights, I'd, I'd say. I'm going to yeah. look at you. I'd yeah, listen, yeah. We watched some highlights and looked at the price tag and we're like, oh, that's a, that's a, <laughs> that's a, that's a stinker waiting to, waiting to happen. But if we had not learned how much Joel Linton cost... We yes. would have waited till the tenth game to have. We would actually analyze the fact that he is actually pretty terrible at football. However, the price tag makes us prejudge. The, we presume he's going to be. Ex- exactly he's not going right. to live up to that. So then I look at. Um, you can look down the league and you can look at expectation levels. So let's look at Everton. We we just had a, a, a genuine conversation about you know are they better than some of their parts? And the first thing you said, John, was they cost a lot of money, mm-hmm. which means that there's an assumption that that means they'll be better. Right yes. now, if we didn't know. Yeah. how much they cost, we would have to do a lot more research into the attributes of those players. We would have to look at the nuances of that. So how they would fit within that squad, how they would balance, You know, whether their defensive attributes balanced with whoever was playing centre-back at the time. If we just didn't know their value, we wouldn't know if they were an upgrade or not unless we actually did the research. Now, we sometimes do do that research. You know, When we look at surprise player of the year at the beginning of the season, and I, and I went down a massive rabbit hole, loved yeah. it. But the, the value of the player makes you prejudge whether they are an upgrade or a downgrade and then judge them of whether they're a success by whether the team is better or worse, as opposed to judging them on, on them as a player. And the market is so volatile, and the fact that Joel Linton could cost $45 million or whatever it is, that actually uh, the worst way to judge a player is on how much they cost because it's nothing to do with the attributes as a player. Oh, uh, no, I disagree. I don't want to shoot holes in your theory, but I mean... Not I, a theory, I, it's, a, it's a question. I agree that the market is volatile and that you do see often see players going for perhaps more than they're worth, particularly mm. to the Premier League. But there is also a reason why players are more expensive than other players and generally it's because they're better. And I think it's fair to have a higher expectation for somebody that costs a lot of money because you don't have infinite money. Like I know, I know we we are almost at next to the point. Where maybe you could say you do now in the Premier League yeah. have infinite money, but we we know there's wage caps, and you, you know not every team certainly has infinite money. So I think if somebody costs costs more, it's it's reasonable to expect that they will perform at a level consistent with their price tag. So if, for instance, if they are the most expensive player in your team or squad you should be expecting them to be one of your better players no see i disagree i I think that the the money is only relative to the amount of money you have and the amount of money someone else is willing to let them go for so if i have well you think it has no relation to their ability no 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 no, no, i I, I didn't say that but in the in in top class football in premier league football we're all play i mean look the difference between the best player and the worst player in the premier league is only a 10 percent difference because there's they're all premier league players we're not looking at you know a, a player who's been in the conference for, for 10 years who's going to get signed for that amount of money. They're all good. Mm. It's just the different degrees of good. So if I have a billion pounds and I'm going to spend as much as I want on a player 
and you have a player that you don't want to let go, the value will be what I can do to pay off all your debt. To, you know, it will be yeah, re- yeah, it, no, it will I, be an interaction between there's the, a there's a there's the a two... level there, but it's still you can't discount ability. No, no. So, so, so let me. So so no striker wanted to go to Newcastle. Fair no, enough. No, Basket no case. Benitez is going to go. Like, Rondon at, wanted at, to go. <laughs> well, yeah, well, that says all. Oh, Rondon was as good as it got. <laughs> yeah. They were all gutted. So the only so they had enough money because Ashley was finally going to have to do something, and he's an idiot. So he's just going to put his hand in his pocket to make a you know high class Brazilian striker signing, yeah. and then whoever flogged him was like, okay, well we can get what we want for him. So his value shouldn't necessarily represent how good he is as a player. I'm just using him as an example for for. So yeah, what no, would right. you judge? Or, or how would you feel about football if you just didn't know? I think um, I think it's an interesting question. I think what happens when a player does well, you forget how much they cost. When they do badly, it suddenly becomes very aware. So Van Dyke, yeah. when Van Dyke went to Liverpool, there was a little bit of talk at the start of like, oh, 75 million, they're paying. 70. But Klopp wanted this one guy and was just like, that's the guy. No one has mentioned in the last 18 months how much Van Dyke cost. It could have cost 400 billion and he could have been free no one cares other than the fact he'll probably cost more if someone tries to buy him now yeah but he he's the best defender in the league and one of the best in the world if not the best player in the world he won some world yeah, player yeah, year yeah. thing so the value doesn't matter it just goes out the window you don't even question you're doing it poorly you're right exactly as soon as if Aaron um Harry Maguire doesn't do so well at Man United. The first thing that will be said is, "Oh, he cost eighty million, and he's yeah. not very good." And it, well, the the prime example is no one ever bangs on about how much Man City players cost. No, never. You no. never get. Or you know, he should be good because he was sixty million. You never get it. Their whole squad is the most valuable squad in the world, yeah. worth over a billion pounds, yeah. which in dollars is two billion dollars. That's incredible. But, but, but no I, one ever I, says. But well, no, I'm going to disagree with you again here because I think the majority of the Man City players that they've signed, yes, they've signed for lots of money, but the majority of them have retained their value, if not improved it, because of the level that they've played at. Now you cannot. That's argue, John's. That's John's you, point. But you yeah. can't argue that Man City. Well, no, but what I'm saying is, but you can't argue that Man City don't have to pay more for players because they're Man City. Like, you know, you're saying that teams, players' values no, get agreed. inflated because they know there's a demand for it. You know, someone's coming for them with lots of money. But I think Man City get it right and buy the right players for that. Guardiola doesn't go out and buy anyone. They spend a lot of time mm. targeting the players mm. that they need for their system. I think the mistake to take... I feel bad for Joe Linton, but I'm going to keep going back to him. <laughs> yeah. They didn't think that through and have them i mean i'm i don't know this for sure but my suspicion is that they didn't put a huge amount of thought into that signing they're yeah. like we need a striker let's find a striker but the the level of research and the quality of that assessment of mm-hmm. joe linton was not at the same level so they're still paying so a lot of money but he's not as good. on joe linton he played the majority of his games last year on the left wing and so we're still crashed. Yeah. So, <laughs> but, but that's that's to John's point with Man City. It goes when you're when you're doing well, no one cares how much you cost. So yes, they put all yeah. of the research in, they buy the right players, they spend a lot of money on them, but the whole team is doing well. So there is almost no player that's more valuable but, than any other player because they're part of a system. But if, if they did poorly, you'd go, Well, every single one of those players was sixty million plus, why are they so shit? Is it Liverpool and Man City type teams' fault that a Newcastle or a Fulham last year 
get judged on what they spend because they look at it and go, oh, you spent this much on Joe Linton or you spent this much on Seri that Fulham did last year. You should be at this level. Um, so the, the, it's skewed because when £75 million defender does well at Liverpool, £40 million striker should do well at Newcastle. But no, I'd argue that even when a player was cheap, you, you don't think about how much they cost when they do well. Seamus Coleman costs 60 grand. Yeah, it's, it's the Premier League bubble too. I don't think you can yeah. put it on two teams. I just think it's and that the whole of the whole Norwich City first team is like twelve million pounds between them. Yeah, it's like that. That's excellent for Norwich City, but you don't think about that when you're again. You only bring that up when they kill Man City. Yeah, and you're like, oh, you know, look how amazing it is that twelve million pounds beat a billion. Like you're, it's only a thing because you know it, and then suddenly it kind of gives you this bit of context. But I'm saying without the context, what would we? As fans, would we have a better time judging football? Possibly. Um, let's talking of Norwich. Let's move on to Norwich. So Norwich fans, you've said, are having fun. They're having a good time. They're in the Premier League, and they're not breaking the bank. And they're playing some young players. They're coming through. They're still nineteenth and losing a lot, and basically got smashed by Man United at the weekend. But are they still having fun? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good <laughs> they're, play, they're yeah. playing good football yeah. and they 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 think they're in with a chance to win the games that they need to win to stay up yeah and and I and I and I think they are I think I don't think they're dreaming those fans are definitely going to be in a relegation dogfight oh, yeah. but they'll have a they'll have a good time doing it and you know that it's not going to be Sam Allardyce Tony Pullis you know um, 12 men behind the ball like they're actually going to try and play give it a go um, and, and so I, I think why not enjoy it do you know the, the best sort of thing I could say about Norwich is that I was reading an article about Burnley this week and how Burnley have overachieved for so long on their meagre resources and essentially every season by a long way Burnley spend less money than everybody else yeah this year there were two teams in the Premier League that spent less money than Burnley and have less money than Burnley, which is the only reason that's happened is because Norwich and Sheffield United have come up from the yeah. Championship who are trying to survive on even more meagre resources mm. than Burnley, which yeah. is saying something. And so I think because of that context, I think Norwich and Sheffield United fans didn't expect a huge amount this year. They'll enjoy the ride. Staying up as a bonus, I think Norwich fans are having a great time, and it's and it's long term planning. So you know, you you know the adage like, don't let a bad day ruin your week, don't let yeah. a bad week ruin your month, don't let yeah. a bad month ruin your year. Yeah, like it, for for Norwich, you, I'm as an Everton fan, I could let a bad game ruin my season. Yeah, because blah, 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 blah. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but, good good theory. But if if you're Norwich, they know they and they've come out publicly and said, look, if we go down, we've got two years worth of parachute payments. Yeah, which will and they've help already us planned for that. Continue to build our club in a way yeah. that means that the future is bright. So they even they wouldn't let a bad season ruin their three year plan. Yeah, because it's still part of this three year plan. And yes, they've got plan A, B, and C, and plan A is stay in the Premier League, but plan B is still a plan. Yeah. So so the, the short termism that we assign to a bad game for Granite Xhaka, or a or a or a bad VAR decision that means Marco Silva loses. You know that yeah. short termism actually is what does us an injustice as football fans. When, when Norwich are having a great time, because when they lose, it doesn't matter because they're not going to let a bad game ruin their season because bad games come and go. And maybe they have the keeper 
best keeper in the Premier League at saving penalties. Tim Krul. Yeah. Yeah. Like, do you remember him getting brought on for Holland? Yes. In the World Cup. Yeah, just to save penalties. Yeah. That's, or, I, I thought of that after the game. The best penalty saver in the league, or the worst team at taking penalties. Like, Man United have about sixteen penalties this year and scored one. I think if we scored all the penalties that we were meant to have scored, we'd be third in the league. Like, we could have won a lot of. Extra I would. Points. There's one thing I wanted to say about that though. Uh, I think justice was done in both cases and I don't think either were penalties. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm glad they were saved and they were also more appalling VAR decisions. But I would be excited from a Man United point of view for this game because it's the first game for quite a while that we've seen Rashford and Martial play together. That goal, Their that third goal. Their one-two was so tasty. Like yeah. That, that, I watched that and I'm like, if they can keep these two fit and playing together... You still a chance this yeah. year because I just you sort of saw some chemistry there, yeah. and no one wants to play against either of them because they're they're quick, they're skillful, yeah. and if you put you know I, I think that credit to Daniel James, I think he sort of elevated himself probably into your first choice front three, yeah. which we wouldn't have said at no, the start of the year, not. but that front three will actually scare a few teams as much as anything just because it's so quick. Yeah, it's suddenly a lot of pace, a lot of skill. They can finish, especially Martial can finish. If they can learn to take penalties, that'd be yeah. really handy. Well, I thought credit to Rashford too, though, because his his first goal was brilliant after missing yeah. a penalty. And um, what a first touch! Yeah, finish. first touch, finish. That's brilliant. Can I can I say I disagree slightly? Yeah, of course you can. Um, I don't think they're modern enough. Okay. In what the players or the way they're playing? <laughs> that front three, apart from actually surprisingly Daniel James. Yeah. I don't think that the their interactions or their um, yeah the, the way that they transition off each other, the their first choice of what to do with the ball. I don't think it's unpredictable enough. I don't think it's modern enough. If you look at um, you didn't see a bit of chemistry in that one two. I though. did. I did Whoa. see chemistry, but I saw the same chemistry I, I would see in nineteen ninety five. And, and, and I, oh, but Dwight York and Andy Cole is like one of the best oh, partnerships. Was, yeah, yeah. No, I get that. But partnerships work for a time where where teams play the way they play football. So if this sounds sounds ambiguous, but we the style of football has changed. Yeah. And I look at their partnership as an old fashioned type of partnership. Yeah. And I don't mean like a Burnley old fashioned big man little man, or I don't mean like that. I don't mean an old fashioned yeah. tactic. I mean their their interplay doesn't seem like it's modern enough to be as good as uh, a Liverpool front three. What yeah. do you mean modern or, enough? Like, so when you when you watch Liverpool's front three play... But what does modern mean? Like modern's not a... But I, I think what you're saying is that when Liverpool play, they kind of basically move all over the place. And it's do, dynamic. It's, it's very yeah. dynamic. Whereas like the interchanging yeah, between yeah, positions. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. Whereas the Martial-Rashford goal... Although excellent, is in one line. It's normal. It's, yeah, it's go go that way, do something great. It's normal so excellent. Yeah. yeah. And not and, saying there isn't space for it. I just I just haven't seen them do... Uh, I haven't yeah. seen whether they have the other thing in their locker. Yeah, whether they have that little bit of X factor that's yeah. that little bit special. Are, are they both, is that perhaps both because they're inside left forwards? Yeah, and I, I think <laughs> Martial... trying to play them together? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Daniel James right. also inside, inside left, left forwards? Yes. <laughs> We just we just play down one side. Yeah, it actually looks like on a slight lean. Yeah. yeah, and we'll just put Wamba Saka on the other side and make sure he just defends everything. Um, I still haven't worked out whether that bloke's good. Wamba Saka. I know he's exciting. I just haven't worked out whether he's good. He's a good defender. Very very good defender. Yeah. He's a bit like oh, he reminds me a bit of um, Azapogaleta. 
Yeah, like, oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I think nothing will go past no, him. No, yeah, nothing will go round him, but it perhaps won't ever be the most dynamic going forward. Yeah, okay. Um, let's quickly move on to some other fans that are having fun. Chelsea. Now, Pulisic has suddenly become the greatest player in the league and scored a perfect hat-trick. Um, uh, goal number two wasn't perfect. No, right left, right foot, left foot. Yeah, I, I understand. Yeah. I understand the headline. Yeah. But goal number two was a bit of a deflection. I think that, let's, oh, let's yeah. take yeah. our hat off yeah. to, to John Hewitt, perhaps, here, or, or just mm. doff our cap yeah. a little, in mm. who's been preaching patience with Pulisic and I think having a go at it's, a lot of the people that are giving him a hard time yeah. because because of the big money transfer. Yes. Uh, and yeah. he's been... 21 years old or whatever. I'm still not sure old. about giving Lampard credit for this. No, I, don't. But um, <laughs> Do you know, he has been eased into it and he's all of a sudden he's looking good. Youngest ever player to score a hat-trick in the Premier League. Yeah, there you go. Is he really? Yeah. yeah. And, and so when you've got 57 million hanging over your head, whatever that means... Um, and we talked about Fabinho earlier, who came into the league and basically didn't play for the first half of the season for Liverpool... And was crap in his first couple of games. Yeah. There was lots of like he played against Arsenal last year, and everyone was just a bit like, "Who uh, is this guy? Who's yeah. this slow bloke who wanders around in the middle of the park and can't pass?" Mm. And after time, Fabinho, that's who it was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it turns out he's one of the best midfielders in the world. Um, so it takes time for people to. And apparently, from everything that's said about Pulisic, he's very shy. He's a quiet guy, and he's not. Yeah, she's not outgoing, so it's going to take him so a time to adapt. Struggled with the yeah. with the money, like maybe a bit like a Sterling in terms of that's a big sort of lodestone around his neck. Yeah, fifty-seven million or something. Yeah, yeah. I'm not and giving Lampard any credit for this. No, just saying. I'm just not. And and the more I hear this big loud Lampard drum getting banged all seven over the place, in a row now. the more I resist. <laughs> Because it's the it's the seven in a row. It's the Europa League. Yeah. Uh, Fuck off, Lampard. Yeah. Jay Rodriguez. Um. Yeah. So Jay Rodriguez scored a uh, great goal. Wonder goal. Yeah. That no one will ever watch no. or care about yeah. ever. Which they're kind of my favourite wonder goals when it's just like oh, you're four nil down. Yeah. I'll whack it from thirty five. Oh, he's gone flying in the top corner. No one cares. Just jog round. But that's like, would he have whacked it in if they weren't four 0 down? No, he wouldn't have gone for it. So maybe everyone should go 4 0 down. Yeah, we'll get better goals. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's move on to the Championship update, Roger. Oh, no, can oh. we please not get off the Premier League before we talk about Gundogan? Oh, so, Jeff, you want to talk about This Gundogan? has got to be goal of the weekend, no? So, pre shed, we have a wee chat. <laughs> And Jeff says, Oh, did you see Bernardo Silva's goal for Man City? We're like, No, he didn't score. Oh, no, the other guy. Yeah, the other guy. You know, they're all the same, aren't they, really? They're, and he scored, cocks, yeah, you see the scored a wonder goal? scissor kick, according to Jeff. Well, it, okay, not I, a scissor really, kick. It wasn't a scissor kick, it was a flying kick. I really don't remember it, so, so right. it can't be that No, special. it was it's okay. a scissor kick. Steve, it's Stephen no, Manum in Champions League final. It's not a scissor kick. What's it, a scissor kick? A scissor kick's like a scissor kick, you know? That's an overhead. No, no, it's a scissor kick. When you jump up in the air and one leg goes up and then you kick it with the other. Oh, no, yeah, that's, that's what he did. did. Yeah. Oh, that's a scissor kick. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> scissor kick. But well, it's like Karate Kid. You know, where his arms go up and he puts left leg up and he goes... Like, a, like in Matrix. It is a scissor kick exactly as Steve <laughs> McManaman scored in the Champions League final. For Real Madrid. But you've got to say McManaman's was better, but I've not yeah. seen one. And Decanio's was better. Oh, yeah. oh, oh yeah. Decanio's the best. <laughs> but... 
this was still pretty special. Okay. I know it's like, okay. It's it not... was a neat finish, but I sort of felt like it was a little bit unnecessary. Like he could have just volleyed it's it. It's so hard to do. And and he hit it lower down. So he wasn't, he wasn't as high in the air. So it wasn't, but again, because it was a more crowded area. Yeah. So actually it's really hard to lace it from that position. The only way that he could have put his foot through the ball the way he did, straight. So with his knee yeah. above his foot, yeah. so, that, so that it was like an arrow, was to jump up and do a scissor kick. Like it was a, Bloody brilliant finish. Do you know, oh, yeah. the, the, I I watched this game. Um, the, it was the early kickoff, and there were a few... My observations for this game were more about Villa. Um, I thought Jack Grealish and John McGinn both played really well. Yeah. Um, like, and I was, like, I was surprised at the level they played. The other thing is, Jack Grealish is really quick. Yeah. I had no really, idea. Really I, I had no idea, but he there was there was a moment where he like he caught Sterling. Like Sterling wasn't going flat out. Yeah. But I like and sustained sprints like he is super quick which actually makes me think that because i didn't realize that i thought he was more of a sort yeah. of you know Stocky. creative but a bit of a plodder yeah. and he's six foot two but he, he's, he's really well. quick which makes me think he's like i've my opinions of him have gone up after watching him play a, a full game and yeah. i like i still think he's definitely fairly high on the twatometer I'm so nervous that he's a twat but he yeah. is a twat but i think is he really a twat i think he is yeah oh, i think he's so 100% he's a no, twat he's but, awesome. he's, but he's good at football he's yeah. definitely definitely yeah but they all are aren't they yeah, yeah. the twats um also de bruyne had possibly the worst game i've seen him play for man city oh really just wasn't very good like wow. he, was, he was okay but yeah. wasn't great and i'm like wow this is this odd. is weird <laughs> yeah um are we ready for a championship update rog uh well i think well, all i need to before say you, before you get onto this yeah i just want to let everyone know we didn't have a championship update last week because bristol city lost and then this week you're like oh championship update because you won <laughs> no no we drew well, well we, we won andrew yeah so you got some points and we're sixth um, but all like I feel like this is going to be my championship update every week. Just how Bristol City? No, 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 no. West Brom, West Brom's still going well, top. And I think I feel like the West Brom hierarchy deserve a little bit of credit because we actually slated them towards the end of last year when they got rid of um, Darren, uh, Darren Moore. Darren Moore, um, and we were like, "What are you doing?" Yeah. You know, it's just I think it's just before the playoffs. Yeah, um, yeah, 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 and maybe they knew what they're doing because because they're top. Um, but West Brom are top on twenty seven. Brentford are twelfth on twenty one points. Jesus! Wow! So it is, and like, and West Brom are a couple clear of Preston in second. So like, from from Preston a second, yeah, but from second to twelfth, you're talking about four points. Like it is. It is ridiculously tight, and you know, play like one week someone will win, next yeah. week they'll lose. Like, and every team's doing that. But the what the other thing about West Brom I wanted to bring up is I was going to do it in the side stories because it's on the championship yeah, on. update. Um, and I was sort of watching the goals, uh, you know, go in and saw this come through. But there was a um, case of mistaken identity in the um, West Brom game. So playing Charlton, so yeah. Charlton are another team came up this year. Doing really well, um, and and everyone, Lee Bowie and Lee left. He, he quit, the, and then six hours later, came back. Didn't quite, yeah, yeah quit. Um, and they're going really well, like they're um, you know battling for promotion essentially. And so West Brom um, were playing them at the weekend, and there was a case of mistaken identity, and it was just one of those things that was great to watch. So the referee was Matthew Donahue, and he issued a 
um, it was a bad challenge. Yeah. It was a red card. Um, but he sort of came over and issued a red card to Grady Dianga. And then uh, Slavin Bilic. And he, you know, he gets quite uh, animated at the Angry. best of times. And he just went off at the referee. And there, obviously there was a lot going on. And then the ref essentially realised that he'd given the card to the wrong person. So, he had <laughs> so to, what did he do? Did he rescind it? He had to rescind it's, the oh, red card. No. Oh, and then twist, they disaster. eventually, you know, no, you come back and then go over to the right guy and send him give, off. give him the red card. Oh, know. God. Uh, but no, like just as usual, loving the championship, like lots of goals. Yeah. Everyone's beating everyone. No, I think this year, um, you know, last year we had um, Leeds early on, but then Norwich for the whole season were playing very, very good football, and you kind of knew that they were gonna they're gonna do they're it. gonna do it. Yeah. I think this year it is so even that yeah. I I can't see anyone that's um, no. you know going to run away with it. Awesome. Um, any other side stories from anyone? Yeah, oh my God. Go on, so we've, we've spoken a bit about VAR today, but thank you both for not talking about VAR all day. Yeah, no, because um Because no one wants to talk about VAR already. No, because it's essentially a digital refereeing system. Yes. That's not exciting. That's not exciting. However, I've got a VAR story for you. <laughs> <laughs> now, we think we saw some corkers in the Premier League. German Division 2. player called Michael Eberwein. Nice. Everwine. Good name. Yeah. Ever, it's very German. Yeah. Um, can't tell you who he plays for because I for, forgot to write it down. Yeah. Um, he conceded a penalty via a VAR decision without even being on the pitch. He was warming up as a sub behind the goal. The ball was going out of play and he kicked it back to the goalkeeper. But VAR spotted that the ball hadn't completely gone out of play. Oh, and the dear. rule is that if, oh, if, no. you, if you are off the pitch and you touch the ball and you're a sub, then the corresponding uh, a punishment, which which is a foul, yeah. because it's a free kick, but because it was in the penalty area because he was warming up behind <laughs> the goal, it was a penalty and he got a yellow card when he came on for the same thing. Guess what? It was his debut. Oh no. <laughs> oh no! So VAR spot. So, so he was just trying to be nice and give the ball back. This is exactly. He was just eager, warming up yeah. behind the goal. The ball was just, was like, just oh, trickling coming. out. Yeah, I'll give. And he's like, oh, "I'll just kick back to my keeps." But by doing so, he put his foot across the line, did, slightly did across the line. Did they score the penalty? Yeah, they scored the penalty. See, wow. I just two one. I think if you're the VAR bloke, that what a knob. Or, uh, like, just if, don't if just. Don't don't do it. Yeah, or, like that's not that's not what VAR's about. Like there's a you know, there's rules and then there's rules. And I, I just think that VAR bloke should hang his head in sh- was it your mate, the, the Aussie that's gone over there? What a knob. Um or the keep the person taking the penalty should just roll it back. It's disgraceful. Yeah, Absolutely did they score the penalty? Yeah, I say I think they lost two one. <sighs> yeah, I think that's a shocker. What a um, debut! That's got to go down as the, in in the McManaman level yeah. of debut. Uh, no, no um, McManaman Woodgate. Woodgate, sorry, yes. level of, of yeah. that's the best. Thanks for knowing what I'm about. What was that? Uh, did his Achilles or something? No, but Woodgate came on as a sub, got sent off. And gave away. And they gave, gave away a penalty. Got sent off and got injured. And got injured. And got injured. Yeah. All, and was yeah, out for Real Madrid. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I have one side story. Just going back on the kits thing, I had a bit of research to kind of work out what the worst kits are around at the moment. There's a non-league team in the UK called B-Dale AFC, and they're sponsored by a local butcher. 
um, and they have a kit that has bangers and mash on it, and it literally <laughs> just has a picture of bangers and mash. And then they have at the top of their socks where they pull the socks up when they fold it over has a gravy boat. Oh, it's it's wow. really yeah. ugly. I, quite, I, don't, I, don't, I don't mind that one. Last season they, um, I think whole, that's better than Wonga. Last season their whole kit was a hot dog, <laughs> so they look like a hot dog. And the keeper, the keeper has um, his shirt looks like a butcher's outfit. So when he's put on, he's got an apron on and everything. And uh, yeah, so B Dale AFC. It's hilarious. There you go. Jeez. Um, it's a bit of a, a philosophical question. I'll keep it um, brief because mm-hmm. I know we haven't got long. But on the point of having a good time mm-hmm. or not as fans, um, I saw this week the um, Football Supporters Association has essentially uh, approached the Premier League. Um, with concerns about VAR, so particularly yeah. after what's happened with the last week in terms of you know things being overturned and fans not enjoying the experience at the ground, so there's been anti-VAR chants. You know, one yeah. of the biggest issues that the fans are having is that when these decisions are being made, they see nothing. Yep. It just says VAR checking, and everyone's on the just screen. going on their phones. To everyone's check going on, on their phone their to find out what's going on, and so essentially they're saying that there's not enough communication, and it's really taking away from the experience. Um, now, one thing, I, why are the referees not going to look at things on a screen like they did? In the that World was Cup? a directive from the at the start. They didn't want to pus- like pause the game too much, so they thought it'd be quicker to not bother doing that. Because I mean, I. I don't like that because it then becomes more of a black box thing, particularly yeah. when you're overriding referees' decisions. Now, I think they should be starting from the point of view with all this as as far as possible, we should be making a decision from the point of view of the referee's right. Yeah. Whatever, whichever way it's gone, yeah. we should be trying to support the referee and therefore we need a fair bit of evidence to overturn it. Whichever ways that got, and I think that should be the starting decision. I think some of the decisions this weekend went against that yeah. theory. But I just, my, I suppose my question was like, you know, Jeff, you've been enjoying some of the VAR things, and I thought about it. We're in Australia watching all these games on on TV, and so we get to see everything that's going on, and we get to sort of, you you're know, almost part you, of you're, it. you're part of mm-hmm. it, and you see, you're seeing everything happening, and you're listening to them talking about it at the time, and you it's know what's going to gonna happen. But then at the ground people know nothing and yeah. i just think should, should our obligation as you know should the stewards of the game or the premier league in this case should they be trying to make var as you know user friendly for the fans at the ground as possible should that be the starting point or should it be about television because that's where all the money comes from i know i, I go to i go to games in australia regularly mm. and var is on the big screen yeah, you see them make the decision. You see them roll back the camera. You you see it. You, you see the lines. Like it's, so, why are they not doing that in the Premier League? I've got no idea. Because actually, it, it's not a bad fan experience. Because everyone in the stadium is like looking up at this screen, going, "No, it is." Oh, I can see that one minute. Oh, and they're tapping their mate on the shoulder, going, "Look, what do you think? Look, yeah, you can see yeah. his left leg. Like you're all part of the pantomime." And because of that, it's it's an experience. I, and I I think they've completely missed the trick because the reason. I think the reason they're giving is that they don't want a negative fan reaction at the ground. 
Yeah. But I would argue you're going to get far more of a negative fan reaction if nobody knows. Because no one likes a decision to be made somewhere in a you know in a black box that you don't know about. I don't know. That's, the, that's, the Chinese that, are pretty happy. <laughs> <laughs> but to, to, but to me, that's the worst. Like I yeah. want to, I want to hear the rationale, even if I don't agree with it. I want to hear your reasoning why. And so I just think maybe it's another one they're lying out. But to answer your question, I think the fans in the stadium should always come first yeah, because football's good because of its spectacle because of what the people reason the reason people watch football on tv is because when you go and watch it live it's awesome and you want to be part of it but i can't go so i watch it on tv they make money now from tv so the people in charge will care about the money but from a philosophical point of view it should be the fans in the crowd that get first dibs on yeah. the way it's done. I, I don't think it matters who's playing. If you were watching a game of football with empty stands, exactly. I just, I, I, I I'd switch off after after two minutes. I uh, posted a video on our Facebook today <clears throat> of a J League Division Two game, um, but there was two goals from up, up over the halfway line within ninety seconds of each other. Wow! So great, awesome. So yeah, put the video on. No one in the crowd though. And it makes you go, I watch it and went, oh, no one gets to see this. Like, you're going to get to see it because of TV, but there's no one in the crowd. The crowd kills it. Yeah, and so I, yeah. I, on Saturday night, I think, um, in the wee small hours, I was watching a bit of um, T20 cricket, yeah. the qualifiers for the, the World, World Cup, Cup, which yeah. is in, um, it's in the UAE. UAE. Yeah. And I think it was like, it was Sorry, too... <clears throat> what? The cricket... The so like, World teams, Cup teams like Scotland, Namibia, Holland, they all try and qualify for the World Cup this here in Australia. So they're all going to play Q8 and having a game of cricket? UAE. It's near so I, w- I think I was watching Kenya and Namibia. Yeah. Now, there was literally no... no <laughs> this is in the UAE. Like, there was nobody in the ground. And to make it even better, there was a guy bowling who bowled off the wrong foot. <laughs> oh, Awesome. And I'm like, I don't think I've ever seen that at yeah. um, international level. I had a guy who used yeah. to play with a village yeah. cricket who bowled off the wrong foot, but like, it's no. Yeah. But just, I was watching this. I'm like, this is bizarre. <laughs> I was a little bit fascinated, and I watched for a while. Because, but like, it's just that whole thing of the empty stadium. Yeah. I don't think you get it. So I, yeah, I completely agree, John. I think it's got to be for the fans first, and therefore I think they got to they got to fix that VAR. Yeah. Right. Let's move on to the end game. They don't have any grass in Abu Dhabi. No, the pitches are awful. Um, it spins a lot because it's so dry. <laughs> it's true. It's awful. Um, let's move on to the end game. So, Rog, you won last week, so you're on choosing the game. As far as I'm aware, is it two points each? Two, to, two, two. Two, 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 two. Yeah, but so, Roger's always going to have that half point. Oh, yeah. So that's two, two, one and a half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's such a winger. Um, who goes first? Well, uh, Jeff's got a bit of an advantage this week, so you get to go first, John. Oh, good one. Um, so... Everton played Watford this morning. Oh, yeah, in the League Cup. In the League Cup and won 2-0. So I'm going to take you back to uh, November 2017, which was the last time that uh, Marco Silva played against Everton when he was a Watford coach. So we're looking at Everton-Watford in November 2017. Uh, David Unsworth was the caretaker manager for Everton at this point. And Marco Silva was... um, Things were starting to unravel for him a little bit at Watford. I get to go first. You get to go first. Troy Deeney? 
Oh, God. Oh, no. He didn't even come on, did he? No. Oh! oh you have to get one right, Jeff. Richarlison scored. For Watford. Richarlison. Oh, oh no. Scored. Scored. Yeah. I remember the game. Can I can I tell you a player who would have been my wild card? Watford went 2 0 up. Yeah. Benny Benjamin. Benny Benjamin. He played I think he played in midfield forever. Oh, I remember him. He just played like three games yeah, in the Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Uh yeah. <laughs> and Lookman came on. Yeah. yeah. Uh Pickford, Kenny, Jags. He was second King, on my list. Baines, Guai, uh Ben, ben I uh, yeah, I can't pronounce it, but Benjamin. <laughs> Davis, uh Gilfie Sigurdsson, Niasse, oh. Rooney. Of course. Uh and then <clears throat> Gomez Firmina, Cavalese, Britos, Hoblas, Hughes, Decore, Cleverly, Carrillo, Gray, and Richardson. Jesus, that was a difficult one. Uh, what about one? I got one more quick one. Which, okay, go on. Uh, I this I'm was just chuffed with that. <laughs> this was my initial one um, from 1997 or something. From 1996, actually, I think. Um, which was uh, yes, 14th of April 1996. I'm taking you to the Dell in Southampton. Oh yeah. Which was so. Uh, Shout out to Newell for this one because uh, this was the game of the famous grey kit. Oh. Southampton 3-0 up at half time. Schmeichel. Just, sorry, I'm looking at the lineups. Oh, okay. Schmeichel, correct. Uh, Oli Gunner. No. No. Oh, no way. Jeff. He, he never started. He was super sub. Didn't didn't, didn't he, even come on. No. Nah. Irwin. Sharp. No. Yeah. Irwin. Irwin and Sharp. Ninety six. Cantona. Yep. Hold on. Yep. Stamp. <laughs> uh, no. Too early. No. Yeah. Too early. Oh, yeah. No. Fuck this game. I won. Yeah. One nil. <laughs> well done. Um, <laughs> we better go. Troy Deeney. What a fool. Because <laughs> we'll be John. here forever. <laughs> Bloody Troy Deeney. Um, has anyone got anything before we go? No. No. It's been no. great. Thanks, Who won that? I feel like that was... I feel like you Jeff both won. lost, really. No, Jeff won. So that means Jeff's leaving three points to two to two. So and Jeff's that's your on. first loss, which I'm I glad know. about because you've been spruiking the fact that you haven't lost. Yeah, anything, I know. So. I'm great. gutted. Um, thanks for listening, everyone. We will be back next week. Don't forget, if you want to get in contact, ask questions um, or tell us we're wrong about anything, just find us on Facebook or shoot us an email at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com. Any Bye, Arsenal fans out there? <laughs> 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 what are you